0: kind of what we were hearing as people were sharing this morning, just the little comments from Tom and even some of the songs, they just have a way of resounding truth. And that's kind of the reason we're having this message today. And let me share a quick story. I'm going to kind of divert from this because it kind of came up in my mind this morning um, on how I wanted to kind of introduce this sermon. And I'm going to I'm going to break from this one for a minute. Uh, Christian philosopher Ravi Zacharias one time had taken his daughter over to Europe (coughs) because she wanted to be involved in uh, some sort of uh, criminal justice or something along that lines. And they were actually sitting in on a criminal case uh, with these two young girls who were like maybe 13 or 14, 15. And this one gentleman who they had accused of sexually assaulting uh, that they had accused him of sexually assaulting them. And um, and they decided to sit through the testimony, and they had sat through just a couple of days' worth. But it was very interesting as that happened because they sat through this testimony, and they heard from these young ladies kind of some graphic details of what they were accusing this man with and horrible stuff from what he had said. He didn't necessarily reveal what it was. <clears throat> But uh, the prosecutor came up and uh, started um, talking about everything that had been, you know, accused of for him. And then the defense attorney got up and started to probe the young ladies. And he says, you know, if this man is really guilty, we want him put away. But what we really want is we want to know only the truth of what happened. And if anything comes out of here, we want the truth. If he's guilty he needs to go to prison and be held accountable. But if he's not, then justice needs to prevail and he needs to be let go. So having said that, the defense attorney began to probe and question these young ladies. And it turns out that at one point, they were on the bus together with this man, and he saw them up to some kind of mischief on the bus, And I think he knew them potentially and said, hey, I'm going to tell your parents what you guys are up to. And so there were a lot of details in there that just kind of made you go, huh, kind of on the other hand. And they went away very, very frustrated from that case. And he said this, he said, if in that one case it was extremely frustrating that we wanted to desire to get to the truth just in that one case... How much more so important it is for us to have the truth when it comes to life itself. And right now we are living in a culture that denies any standard of reality or truth. Any objective morality, objective truth. What's objective is no longer even what is real to people. We are so far gone as a culture, it's not funny at all. I don't know, um, you got that picture? humorous, but kind of gets my point across. This is why I have trust issues. Okay? And, and I'm using this illustration to prove a point. <coughs> you got two measuring tapes, and obviously one is way off from the other. Which one do I refer to? Right? It's objective reality is what we're lacking in today's society. And it's horrible because where do you go? If you've rejected any form of objective standard of reality and truth, where do you go? You know, how do you live life? And we're gonna, unfortunately, I think over the next years and decades, as our American culture begins to decline, it's gonna get tumultuous and scary in a in a, in a way to see our society just crumble from the inside. It's very sad, uh, but very humbling. And at some point, um, even a little spark of joy can be found in it because we as believers we see that as an as another sign that the day is coming when we will be redeemed ultimately from this world. Amen? So kind of having set that in motion, uh, I'll actually start the sermon. <laughs> so in all reality, okay, in the Christian faith, there's one thing that is most fundamental for us, right? And that's the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel, it being received, uh, human's beings being redeemed from their sin by a merciful God, that is the, that is the crux of, of reality. Is If we don't have eternity, we have nothing. But when we have Jesus and we have eternity, we have everything. The Christian message, the, the, the message of the gospel is fundamental to everything when it when regards to eternity, right? You don't have the gospel, you're dead in your sin. You're spending eternity away from God. You're suffering the consequences of God's justice. But if you receive Christ and you s- receive the forgiveness of God, you have mercy and you have forgiveness. You have peace with God, eternal fellowship with the Father. Amen. <laughs> so, of course, our desire as Christians should be that we want to reach out with the message of the gospel to, to be a part of that process that God has planned and commanded us to be a part of to reach people, you know, for the, for the gospel, for the kingdom. Now, the beauty about God is that he doesn't just stop with the gospel, right? I mean, it's, it, if, if the gospel was all it was, the Bible would be pretty short or shorter than it is right now, right? Just the gospel message. If you were to just take out history and everything else, I mean, a lot of that ties in, but if you're just talking about the gospel, it would be a lot shorter, okay? But through the pages of Scripture, he reveals not only the gospel and how he's setting it up for the gospel, but also truth. So turn to John chapter 17, and you've got your reference up there. 17:17 17, 17 is kind of where I will start today's message. So Jesus is with his disciples, and he's having this prayer with God. And it starts in in verse 1, where Jesus says, um, and this is right before he, he gets betrayed by Judas, these things Jesus spoke, and lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy Son, that the Son may glorify thee, even as thou gavest him authority over all mankind, that to all whom thou hast given him, he may give eternal life. You'll have to pardon me. This is an old NASB. So, these and vows. And this is what he says. And this is eternal life. You want the definition of eternal life? This is it. John seventeen three. This is eternal life. That they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That's eternal life. Once you have Christ, you have eternal life. Right? Yes. I glorified thee on the earth having accomplished the work which thou hast given me to do, and now glorify thou, me, together with thyself, Father, with the glory that I had with thee before the world was, a reference to his coexistence with the Father, right? I manifested thy name to the men whom thou hast gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them to me, and have kept thy word. Now they have come to know that everything thou hast given me is from thee. For the words which thou gavest me, I have given to them, and they received them, and truly understood that I came forth from thee, and they believed that thou didst send me. I ask on their behalf, I do not ask on behalf of the world, but of those whom you have given me, for they are thine, and all things that are mine are thine, and thine are are mine. (coughs) And I have been, sorry, and I have been glorified in them. And I am no more in the world, and yet they themselves are in the world. And I have come to thee, Holy Father, keep them in thy name, the name which thou hast given me, that they may be one, even as we are. While I was with with them, I was keeping them in thy name, which thou hast given me. And I guarded them, and not one of them perished, except for the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy made full in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not ask thee to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. And here's the, here's the crux of today's message. Sanctify them in the truth. Thy word is truth. Wow. And as thou didst send me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they themselves may also be sanctified in the truth. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those who also believe in me through their word. Isn't that encouraging? We're a part of that that they may all be one, even as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be in us, that the world may may believe that thou didst send me. Wow. Even there, Jesus is already thinking of me and you. What a great God. So in John chapter 17, Jesus is praying, obviously, this high priestly prayer on behalf of his disciples. In the midst of something, he makes this fundamental yet bedrock statement for his disciples, as well as to all Christian believers to come. Sanctify them in the truth. Thy word is truth. Now, granted, they're Jewish. They know God's word is truth. But there's something about what Jesus is sharing that just kind of settles, especially for us New Testament believers, a little bit differently, especially in today's culture as we shift further from the truth, we need to be reminded of what the truth is. This statement is not just a description of what truth is, but it also is a statement that encapsulates all of reality. Okay, When it comes to understanding everything from the origin of creation to the reality of our world, to spiritual truth, the destiny of man, the nature and character of God himself, the mystery of the gospel, and more, it's all wrapped up in that one phrase— Thy word is truth. It's a declaration that God is the source of all reality and truth. Does that make sense? So today's message isn't really a, uh, a message about something that we don't know as much as it is an encouragement to bring us to remember what we know, if that makes sense. And hopefully as we get further into the message, you'll kind of understand a little bit better. But to put it simply, when God speaks, he is speaking truth. We kind of know that, but it's good for us to remember. In other words, God is the ultimate reality. Because there's nothing that exists except for what he's brought into existence. Right? He's the only eternal. Um, Robbie Zacharias one time was taking a test for uh, one of his... college courses or something and one of the questions uh came up and um it was uh god is perfect explain and he turned to his wife and he says boy the only thing i could think that was harder is define god and give two examples (laughs) (laughs) but his answer was god is the only being whose existence is found in himself he is the only eternal And I think that is something that when we as believers oftentimes don't consciously think about, that God is the ultimate reality. And to give you an example, we may enter in a conversation with non-believers and, quote, atheists, right? People who declare themselves to be atheists. And somehow we give notion to, uh, we give that notion of them being an atheist the benefit of the doubt, okay? In other words, we give that expression, I don't believe in God credit that it does not deserve. Because what book are we going through? We're going through Romans, right? And what did we read in Romans 1? It's plainly evident. So if God's word is truth, then what he says about these types of claims is truth. Okay? So for example, we go through Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 20, and in 19, verse 19, it says, that which was known about God is evident within them. Okay? Okay? For God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his logic, his order, his beauty, everything that we see in terms of what characterizes the, the nature of God, visible in all of creation, is evident. Okay? His divine nature clearly being understood through what is made, so they are without excuse. So when we enter into conversations, so notice ta- how when we enter into conversations with people and in the world, we give these types of truth claims too much credit. or actually, to be more precise, credit it does not it's not due. It, it's not a claim that's real, okay? Because as you can see from God's word, there's no such thing as an atheist. They all know that God exists. Now, granted, it's a general revelation that there is a God. It's not a specific revelation, which is what the gospel message is for us to bring to the world. But the reality, there's no such thing as an atheist. Okay? They're all best agnostics, but, at, but according to God's word, they all have an understanding that God exists, but they suppress the truth, despite it being clearly evident to them. Now, for those of us who hold dearly to the truth of God's word, these last five to ten years have been brutal, okay? Brutal, horrifically brutal when it comes to the attack on any form of objective reality or truth. I mean, the other day I was flipping through social media and I happened to catch a, a, a clip of two transgender men or women. I can never get that right. I'm sorry. And I don't mean that humorously. I mean that accurately. Objectively, I mean that. Um, uh, There were two men who were declaring themselves to be women talking about women's issues. (laughs) And the first comment was from a woman that said, nothing speaks louder about the progress of feminism than two dudes talking about women's issues. I mean, we've really done a disservice. We've seen how uh, female swimmers get their titles, kind of their ability to to earn a title stripped away from them because transgender males are outpacing them for some strange reason. Um, Just some of the ways that we have been suppressing the truth in those areas has just been horrific. Everything from the attack on the nuclear family social justice organizations, the integrity of political candidates, gender issues, so much more. Any form of objective reality or truth is just bombarding those issues. And we tend to give those view t- viewpoints credibility they don't deserve. And as we've seen in John chapter 17, God doesn't just want us to know that God's word is truth. It's not just, hey, by the way, okay? He wants us to be sanctified in it, okay? Okay? which is the first thing he says. Sanctify them in the truth. Well, what is truth? Thy word is truth. Beloved, we need to sanctify ourselves in God's word and in his truth. And there's a effort that has been happening since the fall of man to subvert, pervert, and divert all of these things. And it's, yeah, it's happening at such great speed and such great uh, alarm in our culture. So the great connection then is that in order for us to be sanctified in the truth, we must understand and accept that God's word is truth. Not late night discovery channel when they start talking about the ark or aliens or whatever it is that it may be. Some of you will catch that. I mean, <clears throat> National Geographic does some great historical stuff, but you catch Discovery Channel at 1230 in, at night, you're getting some bizarre, wacko stuff, yeah. and stuff that people believe. I cannot tell you how many people have come into uh, just, I'm sure Spencer and Tom and others have, but in the nursing field, you, you start chatting with some people and what they believe, and it it can go really down a rabbit hole that I cannot follow. (laughs) So let me switch gears and draw a more practical and daily application. As many of you know, like I said, I'm a nurse, right? I cannot tell you how many times I've had patients come in for lung biopsies, liver biopsies, kidney biopsies, because they have a cancerous or highly suspected cancerous tumor that needs to be biopsied so that they can know how to treat it. So they run all these tests. They see what drugs they're sensitive to, what genetic markers they may have so that they know which drugs might be the the most powerful to work on them. And I won't tell you, there's quite a few patients that come in that are in complete denial that they have a tumor. Complete denial. And I'm not talking about a rested in God kind of trusting in his sovereignty uh, attitude. It is a complete and utter denial. I just want to get this done and over with so I can go back to living my life because I really don't believe there's anything to this. Okay. Their denial of their cancer does not mean that the cancer does not exist. You catching the parallel? Okay. They are suppressing the truth that they have cancer despite it being clearly evident to them. That's the, that's the real world application that I can bring to you from my perspective. And my hope is that today's message would encourage us to consider God's word more deeply and more fundamentally and more richly as being truth, kind of with a capital T, not just the definition, but the reality, right? So when we operate in the world and we run into people, every encounter, every situation, every, every um, moment in life that we're going through, that we're living in the reality of God's revealed truth. That when I engage in somebody in conversation for evangelism and they tell me they're an atheist, my foundation in God's truth tells me that that is not true. When somebody tries to tell me that, oh, uh, Jesus was actually a, a pagan sun god from some, you know, uh, zoastrian whatever, I'm firmly grounded in God's truth. I don't have to doubt God because I'm firmly grounded in his truth, and that is the reality. And so, as we are navigating through life with all of these issues, especially the the transgender and um, these uh, very deviant sexual-natured topics and issues, we have to be firmly grounded in God's truth. And on all reality, the more the world of goes that direction, the more the true believers will become more evident as they stand firm, right? Yeah, because we'll be standing in the same place on God's word and his truth while the world goes and parts its ways and engages in darkness. <clears throat> Let us look at some scriptures that will help tune our hearts, so to speak, and our minds towards this truth. Proverbs one seven. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. That's a very clear one from Proverbs, right? To say it slightly different, if you turn the words around, the beginning of knowledge is the fear of the Lord. You want to understand what, it's, what it means to understand knowledge and wisdom and, and to begin the process of having that? It's to fear the Lord. So it has to start with us revering God as who he is, putting him in his proper place in our lives on a daily basis, engaging in his word. He is Lord. And when we understand that, it sets the foundation for us to receive his truth and his knowledge and his wisdom and apply it to our daily lives. I love this statement because it qualifies this whole idea so, not only is the fear of the Lord the beginning of wisdom, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Well, why would anyone despise wisdom and instruction? Well, it's very clear. Because they do not fear the Lord. Okay? That is the logical understanding from that, that verse in Proverbs. Proverbs. Or Psalm 111, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do his commandments. This is why, when it comes to public statements about Christianity by individuals who clearly do not. It's a message from the Lord. This is why when it comes to public statements about Christianity by individuals who clearly do not profess or demonstrate any substantive faith in Christ is to be considered foolishness. If they're not coming from the foundation of a a biblical uh, relationship with the Lord, it's foolishness. They're not going to understand. The spiritual man doesn't understand the things of God. They can't apply it like we do who have been uh, regenerated. They're considered to be uh, foolishness, whether it's a close friend, scientific expert. Now, yeah, we've had a lot of that these last three years. Politicians doesn't matter because God's word is truth, and thus it is the standard of truth. If what they say does not jive with scripture, it's scripture we stick with. That is God's revealed truth. In other words, every truth claim is, should be scrutinized and put to the test by God's word. So when social justice warriors throw the name of Jesus around in order for me to feel guilty about whether I'm donating enough money or having enough of my taxes taken out or if I'm not uh, supporting a certain cause or God's word, his word is truth. His word is the standard, not a politician. Okay. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus puts it this way. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts upon them may be compared to a wise man who built his house upon the rock. We've heard this story, right? And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and burst against that house and it did not fall for it had been founded on the rock. We will only stand firm in the storms of life when we are fully founded on the rock of God's word. Only. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act upon them will be like a foolish man who built his house upon the sand and the rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew and burst against the house and it fell. And great was its fall. That's not just a personal application though. Because when we collectively refuse God's word and refuse to uphold God's word as the the standard of truth, our nation is at risk. We are seeing the internal destruction of the suppression of the truth, the rejection of God, and the rejection of His truth, and it's tearing this country apart. We have all got to be people of truth, which means we've got to be people of the Word. Amen. I, we, we leadership doesn't matter where we are in the scheme of things. Anybody who desires to see our, our church, even if it's just our local church, but the body of Christ succeed in this world, to make it to the end, to finish well, we have got to cling to God's word. It's interesting as well as disheartening times to be living in, isn't it? When it comes to the truth and the lies that are being promoted, as well as the persecution of the truth. This is where 2 Timothy gets even more poignant. You know, it becomes more and more applicable every year that goes by. Either that or we're just getting older and more attuned to being able to see the evils of <laughs> You know, I, I laugh, but it's a, it's, a, it's a disheartening chuckle, really. In chapter 3, Paul reveals that as the, the days get closer to the Lord's return, the world will dive headlong into all kinds of evils. So I'm going to turn there, and you can too. I'm just going to read. 2 Timothy chapter 3. But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable. That's a big one. You talk about social justice all these different organizations, it's all about what? Reparations, not reconciliation. Reparations, payback. I once had a friend in in high school who used to say, I don't get, what is it? I don't get back. I don't get even, I get ahead. That's what he would say. I don't get even, I get ahead. Malicious gossips. Not just gossips, malicious gossips without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, or the planning, the, pre, the, 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 the pre-planning of evil, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Well, that's a, that's a nutshell statement there. Holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. That's woke culture right there, okay. And although they have denied its power, <coughs> avoid such men as these, for among them are those who enter in the households, captivate weak women, weighed down with sins, led on various impulses. And this tends to um, describe further uh, even some people in those days that were taken advantage of of other individuals. But these are the last days. Qualifications of, of what it's going to be like. And we are already seeing this. Uh, it yeah, it's permeates our culture, unfortunately. So, if there was ever a book that was very relevant to today in terms of the, the visible and outworkings of the evil of an evil generation, uh, Second Timothy would probably take top shelf for me, uh, one of the top choices. Uh, as well as our responsibility as believers to live a life of obedience and steadfastness. So there's a contrast there. Look, this is how the world is, but this is not how we are supposed to be. Watch out! Stay in the Word. So Paul ends in verse 16. Okay? 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Let's say this together. All scripture is inspired by God. One more time. All scripture is inspired by God. Which scripture? All of it. It is all God's revealed truth. This means that whatever God says about the origin of man that he was created in six days, that he was created by God, not through an evolutionary process, okay? Original sin, okay? The consequences of sin, that means all of that is true because God declares it to be so. It means that God's account of history of Israel from Abraham to the dispersion of Israel is true, everything that it reveals about Jesus, his life, his ministry, his truth claims, his death, his burial, his resurrection, what God did through the disciples and then through the apostles. It means that what God says about the destiny of the saved and the unsaved is all true. It means that what God says about how we are to live our lives, utilize our giftedness in the church and witness for the gospel, all true. We don't want to take light of God's word because that leads to failure and to sin. Okay? Ultimately, it can. We want to uphold a high position of God's truth and God's word as our reference for all life and godliness. When we understand the fundamental principle that God's word, all of God's word is truth, our whole worldview gains an immeasurable advantage. It means that we no longer doubt because we're fully trusting in God and his word as being true. Think about that. Okay, so we take that fundamental principle that God's word is all true. That means when I'm in doubt, What he says about the person who doubts and how he can trust in the Lord, he or she, is true. We can wait upon the Lord and he'll come and rescue us in our day of trouble. Okay? When we we are bombarded by sin and everything that this world, you know, throws at us and and the things that we see, we don't have to doubt God's word. We can believe what he's told us about what he's going to do when this time is over, that we're going to be with him. Hallelujah. Okay? So the way that we approach God's word as being true changes how we, how we respond in everyday situations. Right? And that's kind of like that attitude of praying without ceasing as well, where we're not constantly, you know, making this prayer to God, but we're constantly in communication with him. And if we're in communication with God's word in the same way, we don't have to worry about doubt and fear because we're constantly reminded of God's truth and how He operates. And we are forgetful beings; we need that reminder. That, that's why we need to be in the Word on a daily basis. Interesting. In the Book of James, the word used for doubting, um, because in James chapter one, chap, uh, verse five through eight, it says, "You know, we no longer we uh, we ask asking without doubting, because the one who doubts is like the, the surf of the sea, you know, tossed back and forth, you know." That word doubting literally means standing in two ways. Like, you don't know which way to go. You're totally confused. I uh, saw a video the other day of uh, these, these uh, husband and wife, and they had a dog, and um, they wanted to see which, which person the dog loved the most. So they stood on the side of the dog, and then they both ran, and then they wanted to see which way the dog would run to see who the, who the dog loved the most. And this dog was like, he didn't know which way to go. He was doubting. He didn't, wasn't sure. And in the same way, when we are not grounded in God's word, we doubt which way to go when we have these circumstances approach our lives. But if we're constantly reminded of God's truth and his word, we know the steps that we're supposed to take. We know what God's heart and what God's truth says about these situations and the actions that we should take. When we have the knowledge and truth of God, who he is, and his character, we shouldn't have to ask God for wisdom with, without doubting because we have and believe all his word and promises to be true. Right? When we understand all of God's word to be truth, it, no longer, it means that we no longer worry because we have God's promises which are altogether true. Psalm 19.9 and all of Psalm 119. Now, if you, if you want to go home, And look at one chapter of the Bible that constantly reflects on the reality of God's word as it relates to us. Psalm 119, the whole psalm. You look at how many times it references God's word. Every single verse. It's constantly reflecting back to God's word. Back to his precepts. Back to what he declares. It's a really great chapter to read in firming up your Uh, need to be reminded of how important God's word is to life. Ultimately, when we believe God's word to be truth, we will fully see the power of the gospel because we understand that our ministry to proclaim, but it's God's work to convict and redeem. Does that make sense? So when we believe God's word to be truth, we will fully see that the power of the gospel is our ministry to proclaim, but it's God's word to convict and redeem. We don't have to be confused about what our part is because we understand that it's only God's power to actually convict that person and bring them in. But we understand that our job is to go out and preach the message of the gospel. I don't have to doubt what my part is, right? Ultimately, um, we understand that no matter what happens on this earth, our future is cons- uh, secure. Yeah. That's what, yeah, that's what understanding and believing God's word to be truth gives us the ability to do as well, is to believe that no matter what happens in this earth, on this earth, our future is secure in Christ. I'm going to borrow an analogy from Ray Comfort. He uses when talking to uh, atheists, and one of the arguments that atheists have, quote-unquote atheists, is uh, the ridiculousness of some of the stories in the Bible. Noah and the ark, you know, uh, Jonah and the whale, you know, time standing still, all these fantastical miracles that God has done to And they'll say a talking snake. It's like, do you really believe all these things to be true? Like, some of those things are just ridiculous. And they can seem kind of fantastical. Yeah, Jonah's being swallowed by a giant fish and surviving in that fish for three days. I hate fish. I can't even imagine being in the belly of one for three days and still be alive, you know? Um, no wonder he was crying out to the Lord, you know? Um, yeah. He says this. He says, okay, you don't, you don't believe the fantastic. That's fine, he says, but look at it this way. He says, let's say that you are having a house built for you and every day you come by the house to see if the electricity is on and the electricians like yes it'll be on tomorrow i'll have the electricity on tomorrow so the next day you come by you flick on the lights and nothing's working electricity's not on so the next week you call up electricians on the phone hey you said you're gonna have oh yeah i'll have it i'll have it on here tomorrow so you show up that next day flick on the light switch nothing nope nothing So you're getting really frustrated. So finally, two weeks goes by, and you check up on the house, and you see a note on the front of the door. And it says, Brian, we're done. Lights are on. The foreman. So it's not the electrician, it's the foreman. So you reluctantly enter the house, and you flick on the light switch, and boom, the lights turn on. Boom, the kitchen lights turn on. Boom, the bathroom and bedroom lights turn on. OK Now you believe everything else that the foreman tells you, because the power has been turned on. The power for us is the gospel. And when the power of the gospel has taken its effect, we are now regenerated enough to believe everything else that the Father has revealed in his word. So to the foolish, these fantastical stories are exactly that. They're fantastic. But for those who have been transformed by the power of God, we believe that God can do anything. Because once we receive the message of the gospel and have been given the spirit of God, we believe and take God at his word for everything. So where are you in terms of your position in God's word? You know, have you been doubting? Maybe you're not in God's Word frequently enough. Maybe you've allowed a lot of the um, criticisms and and valuations of the world to have more credit than it's really due, or even credit that it's not due. This is kind of that moment where we have to think to ourselves: Are we really people of the truth? And, you know, there's some conviction in that. We all could use, you know, a little bit more time in God's word and a lot more time in prayer. But that foundational issue, that if I believe everything that God says, then I don't have to waver at all. The belt of truth, it ties everything together. It keeps me from getting snagged on by all various kinds of arguments and philosophies in life if I believe that God's word is absolutely true from front to back, everything that he says, then I should be evaluating life to that standard. And if I don't have an answer for that, I need to go back to the reference. Otherwise, I'm going to have trust issues, right? Who do I believe? My encouragement for you, um, and as for myself as well, is that as we kick off this new year, um, take advantage of the reading through the Bible in a year. Be people of the word. Recognize where we are in terms of the world. See the world for what it really is. It is a corrupt and ever-corrupting system that is going to attack your faith, attack the truth. It's going to suppress it. I can't tell you how many times I've I've seen more and more people in the hospital setting that have their little pronoun button on their shirts, and I just kind of shake my head. There's only... People wear these buttons because they... I don't want to be misgendered, you know, is what they say. um, Called the wrong gender. You know, beloved, there's only one thing worse than misgendering somebody else. It's misgendering yourself. In all reality, if you don't know who you are, Ray Comfort, and I'll close with this, Ray Comfort, when he's um, witnessing, <coughs> he's um, chatting with people and he'll say, so do you know where we came from? And they'll be like, mm, no, not really. Do you know why we're here? Mm, no, nah, not really. You know, We're just, I don't know, we're just here. You know? Do you know where you're heading? What's, what's after this? No, I really don't know. It's like, Do you not realize that that's the definition of what it means to be lost? You have no idea where you came from. You don't know why you're here, and you don't know where you're going. You're lost. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And with his truth, we can navigate through this world, and we need to be diligent to not only withstand the lies of the devil and the pressures of this culture, but we need to be reaching out and grabbing onto people with the message of the gospel. So, New Year, we need to be people of the Word. Amen? Amen. And by that, we, d- we take care of that, and God will take care of us in grounding us in his truth, being prepared for the onslaught of, of the world, and we can be soldiers for the gospel. Father, just thank you so much for today. Um, it's somewhat disheartening to see where the world is going, especially from the viewpoint of faith in christ and knowing what you've done so much to secure our salvation and knowing the ultimate reality of what's going on in the world around us that we're not just here by some evolutionary accident but that we were created in your image to know you and that relationship was destroyed in the fall but you sent your son jesus christ to restore that relationship through faith in his work on the cross. Help us to take the message of we are no longer lost but found in Christ to the world. For they are truly lost. They don't know who they are. They don't know where they come from. They don't know where they're going. And they're groping in the darkness trying to figure out what to do while they're here. Help us to be the light on the hill that we were meant to be and do so through the power of your word in our lives. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 So, Happy New Year. You're dismissed.